BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right. So our intro song is not working this fine Wednesday, but that's all right. We've got a fun show for you. Welcome inside the Gen Jag podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Jeremy Markoski. How are we doing today, Jeremy? Doing good. Uh, besides the little uh, snafu there with the uh, recording setup, but we'll be all right. We'll keep things rolling. Yeah, our software for the podcast has uh, it's changed its user interface, and apparently it's uh, not wanting to play our our little uh, intro song there. So we will roll on without it. Uh, exciting time of year. We're now into March. We're less than 14 days away from the start of free agency, 12 days away from the legal tampering period. And uh, free agency talk is going to dominate the show. It's going to dominate the month. We're going to focus on the offensive side of the ball today. And we're going to run a mock free agency scenario where Jeremy and I are the decision makers and the Jaguars front office, we have to come to an agreement or an alignment on how much we're going to spend on the offensive side of the ball, what positions we're going to attack. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. We haven't done this before. We've obviously talked quite a bit about free agency, but actually running a mock scenario on the offensive side of the ball should be fun. And then we'll get to defense next week before the start of free agency the week after. Uh Make sure to check out genjag.com to keep up with all the latest Jags news and analysis. Also to get all your Duval merch. And big thank you to Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street and their Riverside Taproom on Roselle. So before we get to this uh, free agency mock scenario, we uh, got a couple little pieces of news to go over. Trevor Lawrence, uh, we got an update from him today on his recovery from the surgery on his labrum on his left arm, left shoulder, non-throwing shoulder. He is recovering quickly. I guess they're already working on range of motion uh, type exercises, trying to get pain-free in that. And then he'll be starting to pass the ball in six to eight weeks to throw the ball. Uh, It'll probably be a modified stance. I believe it was mentioned that it might be thrown from his knees to start before he gets like the full body into the throwing motion. But he said he feels good. That's an exciting development, obviously, for Jaguars fans. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you definitely want to see the progress. You want to see everything going very smoothly in his recovery. You don't want to see any hiccups. You know, it's definitely good news to see that he's already feeling better uh, this close to his surgery day. It's it's very, very reassuring for Jags fans that there were no complications, there's no lingering issues, and that he's going to be ready uh, by the time the camp rolls around. I mean, full swing. you got to get right into it as quickly as you can. This is going to be the most vital part of his career, his rookie offseason, getting you know into the NFL and introduced to everything that the NFL is, so we cannot have any setbacks going forward. Yeah, definitely not. So uh, positive news there for sure. Although I wasn't too concerned, but you know, every step along this way in the process when you're talking about taking a player number one overall is going to be huge. Now, Tyler Eifert, uh, 
it was um, reported a few days ago that he is likely out of Jacksonville. Tight end was signed last offseason, and the Jaguars put in a year two team option that they're going to decline, it looks like. I thought he was okay for the Jaguars, nothing spectacular. He missed out on a few catches that really could have probably changed uh, fans and and uh, analysts' view on how his season went. Some spectacular catches that didn't quite go his way. But overall, this is a cost-cutting move. You're going to save $5.25 million against the cap. And it highlights the need for tight end in Jacksonville, obviously, now that he's not here. And James O'Shaughnessy is also a free agent. So you really have nothing to speak of in terms of veteran experience and talent at the position. So obviously, uh, the Jaguars are going to need to address tight end, probably in free agency. Yeah, nothing ill against Eifert at all. You know, he came in, was very professional, did what he was supposed to do. Like you said, I didn't see anything out there that left a bad taste in my mouth. But, you know, he's just not what he once was. And we knew that when we brought him in. It was a leadership thing, uh, you know, probably just giving a guy another chance. Um, And like you said, it's just a cap casualty. You know, more money to spend in free agency. Uh, We need weapons for Lawrence, not necessarily just, you know, guys that are going to be cogs in the system. We need guys that are going to be playmakers, especially from the tight end position in this offense so uh, it's a necessary uh, cut unfortunately and I hope he lands elsewhere maybe gets a shot at a ring uh, or at least you know just a role position that he can at least still play if he wants to yeah I'm sure he'll wind up somewhere Um, you know he's obviously got the physical ability to keep playing and I think he'll wind up somewhere as like a number two or number three type of guy on a on a one-year deal probably Now, we are about to get into offensive free agency. Before we do that, make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter, at Jeremy Markowski, myself, at Jordan DeLugo, and Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag. So as I mentioned before, we're now going to jump in to offensive free agency. Jeremy and I are going to take the reins of the Jaguars front office, and we are going to figure out who the Jaguars are going to go attack and sign in free agency. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, we haven't really done this type of exercise on the show before, so we'll see how it all goes and see if our visions are as aligned as Urban Meyer and Trent Baalke's need to be. Um, The Jaguars have $82 million in 2021 cap space now that they're not going to keep Tyler Eifert, Uh, so they've got to spend plenty of needs on both sides of the ball. Like I said, today we're just going to worry about the offense. Next week we'll jump onto the defensive side of the ball, which is arguably where more money might should be spent. Uh, that's debatable. We'll, we'll get into that, certainly. But uh, you can leave some room, uh, cap space-wise, for in-season trades, signing the rookies, but you've got to address a bunch of needs here with that $82 million. So I guess our first, our first uh, decision we got to make is just how much money are we going to allocate towards the offensive side of the ball? I think you said it best. Most of that money has to go to the defense. And I don't think that is just a need thing. I think you need a lot on both sides of the ball. But if you just look at the the list of free agents coming up this year, it's loaded with young defensive talent, not so much the offensive talent. It is loaded with offensive talent. It's there, but it's a little bit older. You know, the age discrepancy between offense and defense in this free agency class is a little bit more noticeable. So I think you got to spend more money uh, probably on the defensive side of the ball, at least spread it out a little bit more, sign a a bunch of younger guys. But on the offensive side of the ball, that money you do take, let's say maybe you take 20 to 30 million, give or take, you've really got to go heavy on some of these bigger guys. They're a little bit older, you know, talking about guys like Trent Williams, uh, for instance, maybe even Allen Robinson, a name that's been passed around a lot. Brandon Scherf, some of these guys we'll get into, they're on the older backside of their careers. But I think you need to focus on the top offensive free agents in this draft because the really the quality ones are a little bit more few and far between on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, obviously there's a ton of uh, talent at the wide receiver spot in free agency. But outside of that, like you said, it's a little bit more bare, a little bit, uh, a little bit, you know, you're going to have to take a shot on, on, sign in probably the guy that's close to the top of the list because the list isn't super long in terms of talent at a lot of the other positions. But a couple of notes here that people need to pay attention to. The Jaguars 
with ShotCon's uh, willingness to do the big signing bonuses, they're going to be able to sign these players. Let's say you give a $20 million contract out, uh, $20 million per year. You're going to be only looking at a, a cap hit in year one of about 10 to $12 million in that scenario. So we're just going to be uh, factoring that in as well. And that's going to allow the Jaguars to to sign some guys to bigger deals that maybe some other owners wouldn't be so willing to to use their own checkbook to to write these big signing bonuses. So that's going to be an advantage for the Jaguars, obviously. The fact that they have so much cap space is going to be a big advantage. And in free agency, we are trying to attack needs. The draft is all about acquiring talent. Free agency, you want to get talented guys in free agency, but you got to plug holes on your roster. And the Jaguars have a ton of them. There's a lot of young talent on defense in terms of free agency, but there's some offensive pieces that the Jaguars need to get right as well. And we're going to go ahead and attack that. And I agree with you. I think we need to stay on budget here in between 30 and $35 million spent in 2021 cap space for the offense. Can we agree on that? Absolutely. I think it's a little bit higher than what I was thinking, but I, you know, that range, given that there's 82 million to work with that range is flexible. I think that's a good number. Yeah. Cause that leaves you, um, you know, more money to spend on the defensive side of the ball than you're spending on offense. And even though you might be looking to sign more guys on the defensive side of the ball, it might be possible that those guys won't be quite as expensive as some of the offensive weapons you need to get. Most definitely, like I, we mentioned before, um, you know, the defensive side in free agency is so much more spread out. You know, you're going to be able to get, I think, a lot more bang for your buck on that side of the ball. Yeah. So I'm not saying we have to spend $35 million, but let's say our max is $35 million for the offensive side of the ball in free agency. Sounds good. So um, obviously quarterback is the biggest need on the team, but... As we all know, Trevor Lawrence is on his way. So the Jaguars don't need to go out and sign a starting caliber quarterback by any means. I think that would be a waste of money. Uh, You've got Gardner Minshew as a backup. He's still on his rookie deal. He's cheap. So quarterback isn't a glaring need here because you know Trevor Lawrence is on the way. Um, I think that we could look at signing a a backup quarterback that uh, could serve as a mentor for Trevor and serve him him as a guy that can really try to help him make the transition as smooth as possible. But I don't think that's what we need to attack first. Do you agree? I definitely agree. I think, like you said, the guys who are in that room right now, I think are your best and cheapest option at the backup position. Unless you want to go out and get a veteran, I don't really see any need in spending any money here. Yeah, so we'll we'll pin quarterback back and come back to it when we have addressed more of the other needs on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that the biggest need is left tackle. Do you agree with me there? Absolutely, left tackle, and I mean, really, just tackle in general. Because I think you're going to be moving some guys around, especially if you sign a left tackle. But you know, the, the tackle that we both have our eyes on, I'm sure, is a left tackle, uh, and he's going to be an expensive one. But I think that's the most important position in the free agency pool and the most important player in this free agency pool. So it kind of just works right into the Jaguars' needs here. So, yeah, the major options here, we've you mentioned Trent Williams. We've talked about him before. You've got Cam Robinson, who's been your starter for the last four years. Um, you know, he's an average starting left tackle below average to average. I think in a different system, he could look a lot better, which the Jaguars will be running a different offensive system. You've got Orlando Brown out there looming on the trade market. Do the Ravens want to ship him off? How much do you want to pay for him in terms of you're having to give up draft capital to trade for him, and then you're also having to pay for him with the big new contract that he's going to want. So I'm not too keen on the Orlando Brown trade. You've also got Charlie Villanueva out there. He's aging. I don't really think he's an upgrade over Cam Robinson. Russell Okung is solid, but he's old and he's injured often. I think he's missed most of the last two seasons. Cam Irving, he had some reps for the Cowboys over at left tackle this past season. He's almost 30. 
he's mostly unproven despite being a high draft pick once upon a time out of Florida State. Can we agree that Trent Williams is where we want to try to attack with the most money that we're going to spend in free agency? Without a doubt. Just looking at the list, you know, you mentioned it. There really isn't anybody there that catches my eye besides Trent Williams. Uh, and you listed all the same reasons that I had uh, in my head. Besides bringing back Cam Robinson on whether, you know, whether it be a franchise tag or a team-friendly deal, the only player that's not in this building right now already that has any interest to me in that position is Trent Williams. And it has to be probably your most expensive signing. So I have no issues with giving him an average of anywhere between 15 and $20 million a year. However you want to break that down and write it down. I think you need to go at him full speed ahead, really make that offer almost just something that he cannot refuse irrefusable for him. It has to be something that hits him in the face and he signs immediately. So how high are we willing to go? All right. Ready. ready to make that, decision, it could be huh? more than 20. I mean, I think if you're looking at an average annual value and, and you're really looking at you, once you hit $20 million, he's going to be one of the top pay tackles and he is 33. I think you can hover right in there around maybe max. will want to go is 24. 25 annually, you have a little bit of money to play with here. And if you want to make that offer an irrefusable offer, I think you you inch a little bit closer to the 25 mark. You go about $25 million annually with a nice, luscious signing bonus uh, to really nail things home for him. Yeah, so I believe David Bakhtiari is the highest paid offensive tackle in football right now. Mm-hmm. His average salary is $23 million. I think Trent Williams is a better football player than him despite his age. He's not showing any signs of letting up right now. He's still one of the most athletic tackles out there. He's still an absolute mauler. So I say, I say we can lock him in for $24 million a year with a two- or three-year deal. Because he he might be looking down the road to get a bigger deal when the uh, when the market gets back to where it should be, you know, post COVID and all that. So I think you could lock him up on a two year fully guaranteed deal, uh, twenty four million a year. Are we comfortable with that? I'm definitely comfortable with that. Like you said, you know, Bakhtiari set the market with his extension um, prior to the off season. So you're obviously going to have to get up into that. 24 25 million dollar range and something that i want to keep in mind also as we do this and i was thinking about this earlier before we started the jaguars are in a really really unique position here because not only do they have the most cap space out of any team in the nfl but with that cap reduction to i think it was what 185 million the gap between them and other teams also grows they're gonna have the most money by far still. And with that lower cap kind of minimizing the free money for other teams, you're going to have to allocate it differently. The Jaguars have a lot more wiggle room to pay people a little bit more than what other teams are going to willing to, you know, that are going to will that are willing to do, excuse me. And so they really need to take advantage of that. And that's a perfect example right here. Go ahead and give them the 24, 25, make them the highest paid tackle for the next two, three years. Lock it in. Yeah. So then, um, Shad Khan really wanted to get that deal done. So did the front office coaching staff. So we're going to be giving him a signing bonus of, let's say, $12 million. And so we're getting a $12 million 2021 cap hit, which puts our offensive spending. We're allowed to now spend a maximum of $23 million more on the offensive side of the ball. Now that's a huge chunk of your offensive uh, spending money, but let's be honest, left tackle, when you have the opportunity to get a transcendent talent, a future hall of famer, an eight time pro bowler, a guy that looks right now, like he could play till he's 40. I think you got to go try to do it. It's a transient position. One of the most important on the field, you're going to be saving your franchise savior from getting his face pounded into the dirt every single play. Some of that you haven't done for the last two or three guys that you've brought in to attempt to bring life into this franchise. I mean, this is the utmost importance, in my opinion, is keeping Trevor safe. Yeah. How do you feel about the possibility of putting a transition tag on Cam Robinson as a fallback plan in case you can't get Trent Williams? I don't hate it at all because, like I said, when I – when looked at this list, besides Trent Williams, no one else jumps out 
over Cam Robinson. No one's an immediate upgrade. I mean, I really don't see one. You know, the one the one guy who's a little bit younger is Julian Davenport. But, uh, you know, watching the Dolphins offensive line this year, they were just absolutely egregious. I wouldn't want to go anywhere near uh, anybody uh, from that offensive line. Everyone else is just older, a lot older. Jason Peters, obviously, he's at the tail end of his career. Yeah. Throwing the wave, is, like you said, is not an upgrade. And Okung's always hurt. Uh, then you got Kelvin Beecham, who already did a stint in Jacksonville. That didn't go over very well. Sam Young is now 34, and he's not playing any meaningful football in Las Vegas. It's really your only other option. Um, it really is. And, and even if you do put that transition tag on him, um, and, and you know, let's say you do get Trent Williams and you want to keep Cam Robinson around, he has the flexibility to move around. Shuffle some things along the line. Maybe you don't sign a guard, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a minute. And and you know, you shuffle some things around. Maybe move some guys around and keep that offensive line as big as you can. Because Cam, albeit a slim guy, compared you know to other offensive tackles, he's still a big body. Yeah. And so I, I don't think that you match another offer for Cam Robinson if you do land Trent Williams, but you just kind of have that in your back pocket in case you can't get Trent. I think it really depends um, on what the offer situation. is, though, because you're going to get a lot of depth there. That's, and if it's not a bad offer and you're not spending that much money, you might be saving money. And- it's got to be like closer to $5 million than $10 million for Oh, right. Absolutely. I totally understand that. But you might be saving yourself money in that in that situation. But I think once yeah. Trent's off the market, say the Jaguars do sign him, hypothetically speaking, once he's off the market, I think Cam's getting the next biggest contract for an offensive tackle and free agency. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So in this situation, though, we did land Trent. We got him for $24 million per year, fully guaranteed over two years, uh, $12 million 2021 cap hit. And now we are moving on to our next biggest position of need, which we need to decide what that is. Um, for me, I'm looking at the roster and I'm looking at tight end as the next biggest position of need on the offensive side of the ball. Where are you at with that? I would think tight end and interior offensive line to me are, you know, two A and two B here. So I'm completely okay with looking at tight end right now. Yeah. Um, so what we've got going on in tight end and free agency, Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry are the headliners. Smith is 25, um, coming off one of his coming off his best year as a pro uh, in Tennessee obviously he is uh he's a guy that if you poach him from Tennessee you're poaching from a division rival which you always like to do Hunter Henry 26 years old seems like he's been in the league forever but he's a very talented receiving tight end had some injury struggles to start his career but he's been playing very good football you got Gerald Everett he's 26 the Rams have never really fully unleashed him uh, he's kind of a gadget type of guy, but I think that's the type of tight end that maybe Urban Meyer would be really interested in, getting him the ball in different uh, different unique ways. And then after that, you've kind of just got some older statesmen, elder statesmen. Jared Cook was just released by the Saints. Kyle Rudolph was released by the Vikings. Jordan Reed, who is always injured, is out there. I think I think we got to be looking at Jonu Smith or Hunter Henry or Gerald Everett here, preferably one of the first two. I understand that. Um, definitely, you know, if you want to make a splash, um, I think there are also a lot of other options on the table, you know, and, and maybe getting a depth guy here. Also looking to the draft for a tight end if you want to go young. Uh, a couple guys that I think deserve to be mentioned are Trey Burton out of Indianapolis. He is definitely older, but he might be a cheaper guy and he can still produce. We've seen uh, some good things out of him when he gets the ball in his hand. Um, Tyler Croft, another Big body tight end, maybe can provide that big red zone threat for you. Not necessarily a speedy guy who's going to stretch the field, uh, but we've seen some good things out of him too. Um, Robert Tunyon Jr. just saw him have a great year in Green Bay. I expect them to bring yeah, he's him a restricted back. free agent, right? Yeah, I expect them to bring him back. Um, but I mean, it, you know, it, it's still in the realm of possibility. Um, you know, looking at another big body guy, a little bit more of a vertical threat. Um, and if you want to look to someone who maybe hasn't made a huge impact in the league yet, uh, but could potentially down the stretch, in my opinion, is Mitchell Wilcox out of Cleveland. Um, you know, a little bit of bias as from a U, uh, USF guy, but I saw him a lot in college. He's got great potential. He does remind me a lot of Tyler Eifert uh, and that type of play style and that body. Um, so there are other options, but looking back at those top two guys, I think it really d- depends on who fits your offense. 
we don't really know what that identity is going to be yet. We haven't seen it. They know in that room. And I think if given anything, given the way football is going, you want speed. Jonu Smith is the fastest tight end on the market. Uh, you know, he's shown the ability to get away from defenders to really create space. And I think he's definitely going to be the biggest playmaker coming out of this tight end group. Yeah, and I think the best thing about that is I think Hunter Henry is going to be the guy that most teams are targeting uh, as the number one guy. So maybe Jonu Smith costs a little bit less than Hunter Henry just because he might not be the prolific receiver that Hunter Henry is, but I think he can do a lot more. And like you said, he is more athletic, more physical. Uh, He's the guy I'd be attacking and also because you're trying to steal him away from a division rival. So I think you could get him... Again, this market, it's going to be weird. Uh, Teams are going to be bidding for his services, no question. But how much money do teams want to spend on a tight end? And that could factor into what the Jaguars want to do as well. Urban Meyer has done a lot with a lot of tight ends that aren't, you know, world beaters. He's also done some great things with some tight ends in the past that that are very talented. But uh, I think we want to attack Jonu Smith, and I think if we can get him for 11 million a season. I think that that's a home run. How do you feel about that? I was thinking a little bit less. You know, like you said, Hunter Henry okay. I think is going to be the guy who gets all the money. He's going to be the the top paid guy out of this class. Looking at the tight end market, I don't think the need is as dire to go out there and, and spend upwards of 10 million dollars because like I said, I think it's a lot deeper than we're looking at, but with that being said, I'm comfortable with 7 to 8 you know, eight and a half, maybe somewhere in there, because um, I don't think you're going to have to go out and, and spend that money again. Cap situations are going to be tight across the league. Teams are going to be looking yep. to really stretch their money, really use it wisely. I think this is somewhere the Jaguars can take advantage of not having to overspend, still give them a really solid contract. I think Henry is probably going to come off with about 10 to 12 million. So I think having John in right behind him at seven to eight, maybe even nine. So, you know, we're close. I think you have a really good chance of landing him there. Yeah, his market value according to SpotRack is eight million, and that's in a normal year, which this is not a normal year. So, so let's go ahead just to make sure we secure him. Are you comfortable with eight and a half? Yeah, we can do eight and a half. All right, so eight and a half for tight end Jonu Smith, and now you've locked up your starting tight end spot. You've still got Josh Oliver, who hopefully he can get healthy. You've got Tyler Davis, who showed some good things as a rookie last year. Do we need to add another uh, veteran tight end, or should we wait and kind of try to attack some other offensive needs before we do that? I think at this point you're waiting until – post-draft, uh, get into camp, really see what your needs are. Maybe do you need uh, a blocker, uh, somebody who's going to fill one role. I don't think you're going to spend any more money in that position in free agency. Yeah, I agree with you. And if you do, it's like a veteran minimum type of deal. Not like, you know, you could probably get maybe even James back, O'Shaughnessy right. back. Or Eifert, maybe yeah. even bring him back on a very cheap deal. I would not be opposed to that, but I don't think you're surpassing even $3 million a year from this point forward in the tight end group. Yeah. So you've got, we've got Trent Williams in the fold. Now we've got John o. Smith in the fold. Now uh, we've spent, let's say our, our 2021 cap hit for John o. Smith cut his salary in half. And you're looking at 4.25 million. So we've spent 16, Point two five million in twenty twenty cap space, getting getting our top two guys on offense and free agency. I think you you have to feel really good about that. And now you've still got uh, still got a healthy little chunk of change to spend on the offensive side of the ball if we want to. So let's go ahead and look at what else we want to do on offense. I think after addressing left tackle and tight end, you mentioned interior offensive line. I think wide receiver is also important. Uh, you obviously feel good about LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark, no question. Colin Johnson also had a solid rookie year, but you need more than three guys. And so you're going to have to sign one or two and free agency, in my opinion. And then at right guard, I believe that's where you're looking at when you're talking about the interior offensive line. Is that correct? 
it most definitely is correct. You know, AJ Cannon has never shown me really anything to, to really make me want to keep him around. And I know that sounds really harsh, but he's had his time. Um, he's undersized. You know, the, the offensive line has been an issue for far too long. And I look at this list and I see versatility. And I'll explain that in a minute. But I see guys that can line up at multiple positions. I think you signed multiple guys for depth. We won't really go into that because it's just a little ticky-tacky money here and there. But the guys that I do think you target um, in this offensive line group for free agency can give you multiple chances to play different positions. Um, you know, a, a guy that I immediately uh, look to is uh, Ryder, uh, the center for the Chiefs. Um, a guy that I think you can plug in at guard can plug in at center, and he can play extremely well for you. And that also allows you to move Brandon Linder. Remember, he started, uh, I think, as a guard uh, and transitioned, and he can do both. You know, we can definitely make that move and really sure up that offensive line. Yeah, so I'm with you there. Now, are we going to spend more money on right guard or 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 wide receiver here? And one factor you have to factor in if we are going to go – get another right guard to start or a center and flip Brandon Linder back over to right guard, then you can cut AJ can and save yourself $5 million in cap space. So that's given us more money to play with. Do we want to go ahead and get rid of can and get and save that 5 million? I would personally, there are just too many guys on this list that are an immediate upgrade. And like you said, you're saving the money. Uh, and in the wide receiver room, in my opinion, if you're going to get a guy, you're only getting one. So a lot of that money can be allocated there. Um, obviously, right off the bat, you know, you're going to go get one of those top tier guys that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. So why not spend a little bit extra money? Uh, cut cam, cut can, excuse me, take the extra five mil. You got depth and you've got an immediate starter right there. Yeah, so I think the top guys here that are at right guard currently for for my money are Brandon Scherf and Gabe Jackson was just released by the Raiders. I believe both of them are 29, getting towards 30, but they're both playing at a high level still. And Gabe Jackson's coming off probably his worst year in the last few years, but his worst year was still better than AJ Can's best year. So definitely still an upgrade there. And Brandon Scherf is playing at a very high level. Uh, you mentioned Ryder, who you could plug in at center and then flip Linder over to guard. I'd probably rather attack Corey Lindsley, who has a history with um, Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Plug him in at center and move Linder to guard if we're going to go that route. So w- what are we thinking here? What are we thinking? Brandon Scherf, Gabe Jackson, Lindsay, Ryder. There's so many options. You know, we can't also forget about Joe Thune, um, a little bit older, but again, a, a really solid offensive guard. But again, it goes, you know, to the fact that you have as much money as you want to spend, basically. You have more than everybody else. Who's the best? The best to me is Scherf. And if you want a guy who you're going to plug right in immediately, you know, we, we talk about all this flexibility, and I get that, and that's nice, and that's sexy, and, and you know, you can do that, but. If you want to get the best, you're going after Brandon Scherf, and it's going to cost you the most money, but he is the best in this class. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. Now, um, let's see what his market value according to SpotRack is. So we can figure out if we're going to be able to afford to pay him or not, which of course you can, but uh, we're trying to be responsible here and address as many needs as possible Could for the Jaguars. Really we have hypothetically quite a bit go out and sign almost anybody on this list, probably four or five of those guys. Uh, we know with the, with the cap yeah. spaces they have, but like you said, let's be realistic about it. And not everyone's going to accept, I'm sure. Not everyone's jumping for joy to come to Jacksonville either. <laughs> well, I think that the narrative is changing around the league with Urban Meyer coming, with Trevor Lawrence coming. Allen Robinson mentioned uh, on the Pro Football Focus podcast that he would love to play with Trevor Lawrence. So he keeps hinting at coming back to Jacksonville, which is hilarious. But we'll get into the receiver talk in a second. So Brandon Scherf, uh, market value $12.7 million. Are we willing to spend that much? Uh, again, that's probably looking at about a – Six and a half million dollar 2021 cap hit. If we were going to spend that much on him, I actually didn't anticipate it to be that high, but uh, 
what I was thinking again, you know, let's 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 knock it, let's secure it, let's make sure that we're giving him an offer he can't refuse. Um, and I think somewhere between the the ten and a half, eleven and a half million range is where I would have started. If it takes twelve million, I'm completely comfortable with paying him that twelve million dollars. Yeah, especially when you look at the fact that you cut AJ Can, you save that five million. If you're looking at a six and a half million dollar cap hit for for Scherf, then you're only looking at a $1.5 million net difference in 2021 cap hit between Can and Scherf. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, I think so as well. I think you know it kind of just plays into itself. It pays for itself. Um, there's no reason why you wouldn't go ahead and secure that guy down. He is the best. I think no matter where you go, and if you give him above market value, um, you're already playing into the fact that, like we've mentioned a few times before, the cap has lowered. Teams are going to be offering less. These guys are probably going to jump at the opportunity to get market value. So definitely go for it. It's paying for itself. Not only that, but they're going to be down to probably take shorter contracts to get back into free agency in a couple years right. to to uh, get back into a market where it's more favorable for the player. So uh, we've got Jonu Smith and Trent Williams on board. We've now got Brandon Scherf on board. Um and Scherf is costing us $1.5 million more than AJ Can was. So we're now at, and again, that's in 2021 cap hit, not the total actual salary and contract. But the cap hit is all that really matters for 2021. And so that puts us at um, $17.75 million spent on offense so far when you factor in all three of those contracts. So we're doing really well here and having that flexibility to cut AJ can really helped out with uh, upgrading the offensive line. Cause now you've got Scherf lender and Andrew Norwell. You might be looking at the best interior offensive line in football right now. And you add Trent Williams on the left side, and then you hopefully develop Jawan Taylor, maybe add some competition in the draft at right tackle. And you're looking at a hell of an offensive line. Absolutely. I, I think we'd be amiss to not kind of take into consideration some of the little spending because um, we're obviously focusing on individual players um, and we want to stick to a, a very clear cut budget that we've aligned for ourselves with the offense side of the ball. But when you look at the roster, when you look at things how they are right now, I think that offensive line is very thin. And I think they're going to allocate some more of that money uh, to a very large uh, free agency pool of offensive linemen for depth. So I think we would maybe set aside like four or five million of that extra just to say that, you know, they're going to go out and get a few more guys for depth purposes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's keep it under 30 million here and have, have that 5 million for depth there you go. on offense. Um, so yeah, let's keep it to 30 here. So yeah, we're at 17.75, which gives us 12.25 left in spending money. We still need a wide receiver to supplement the room, in my opinion. Um, I don't think you need to go spend money on a running back. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars actually do end up doing that, but we're running the show right now. And I'm not really interested in spending any money on a veteran running back. Are you? Not at all. Um, yeah, just simply put, like you said, we're running the show here. Not at all. I, I don't think you go out and spend any money. Again, it's it's one of the only <laughs> only strengths of your team right now. You wouldn't spend any money there. Yeah, and you do have some depth there. It's not like like Daria Gumbawale. He was pretty good in his last few games with the Jaguars, and you've got Divino Zigbo, who he's shown some stuff, and you've also got the draft to supplement your backups at running back obviously james robinson is locked and loaded you don't need to worry about him Mm -hmm. so getting back into wide receiver we definitely need to sign at least one receiver that gets your roster to four um and i think one i think you need to sign a quality starting receiver that you can really rely on here i don't necessarily think you definitely need a rob um, or kenny galladay per se but it really depends here on do we want LaVisca Chenault to be primarily an outside receiver? Obviously, he's going to move around the field. But basically, do you want Chenault to be an outside receiver or a slot is going to determine who I want to sign here? Because if you want Chenault playing in the slot, then you're obviously going out after an outside guy. If you want him playing on the outside, which when he ran routes last year, he did primarily play on the outside. 
then you're going to want to go get somebody who you think can can uh, man the slot. So what are we thinking with that? I personally, from my perspective, do not want to base my decision um, on anything LaVisca Chenault's going to do, and here's why. If you do that, with that in mind, you're going to force your hand in certain schemes. And I don't think that LaVisca Chenault should be really determined as an outside guy, a slot guy, and guy. Obviously, we know he's going to move, but I want to have that ability in any scheme in any given time. So I don't, I don't think you really want to say, well, if we want LaVisca out here, then we sign this guy. If we want LaVisca here, we sign this guy. You go and get who you think So you we need. want somebody who can do both. Not, not even that. You don't have to go sign, buddy, who, sign somebody who can do both because we know LaVisca can do both. But you're going to go sign, in my opinion, who you think the best fit is, the best guy, and you're going to put him wherever they fit best, and LaVisca is going to find his spot, if that makes sense. I don't think you, yeah, you sign no, somebody based you. on where you want LaVisca. You sign somebody and then play LaVisca based on where that other player is limited to. LaVisca is not going to be limited. Some of these guys on this list are limited. They can only play inside or outside. They can only do one thing really well. LaVisca is going to do it all. So I think that's how you approach it from my standpoint. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think we can agree. So the big name guys out here, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones, T.Y. Hilton. Who do we want to attack here? Because there are just so many options, and that's not even close to the full list of quality receivers that are going to be out there. Keelan Cole, he's another guy to consider, maybe bring him back. He's talked about wanting to stay in Jacksonville. Could you keep him around for $5 million a year? So many guys, so many ways to look at this. I mean, it's literally – I looked at this earlier today just to kind of get my bearings together before we recorded so I didn't sound like a buffoon, but I just, I really couldn't narrow it down. You've got so many high impact guys this year in the wide receiver uh, free agent market and the most flexibility you've ever had when it comes to money and discrepancy and spending. I think you can really go after anybody here. Uh, I think Chris Godwin, I think we could take him off the table. I don't think he leaves Tampa Bay. I'd be really surprised if he did. So I'm not even going to really look at putting any money towards him there. I think I want to spread my money out um, you know, across a few guys. I think the one thing that Jacksonville really doesn't have yet, I think there are multiple options to get this kind of player, is a straight down the field, run past everybody, nine route go, burning wide receiver, a Will Fuller guy. Um, I, I think that's somebody that you – Definitely want to look for and go after. You don't really have one of those yet. Chark's not slow by any means, but he's not a blow past the defense, you know, stretch the field and blow the top off type of guy. I think Curtis Samuel is as well. I think he can be, but yeah. You're not going to use him in that role, you know. Do I, I need a guy who, A. Yeah, he's your number one right now. Yeah, you're going to pull the safeties up the field. Open up the middle, open up the numbers and the hash marks for me to get some seam routes, uh, some stuff, some corners, you know, really open up the field. We don't have one of those guys yet. And I think if you watch uh, a lot of the games last year, you'll see a lot of safety sitting a lot lower on the Jaguars offense for a multitude of reasons. But now you've got a quarterback who can really stretch the field with his arm. So you go to a fast guy, either Curtis Samuel or Wolf Fuller, who can also stretch the field. And when they can get open, you're going to have a guy that can get them the ball down the field. So I think that's where you go. Go for a speedy burner type of guy. So one of those two guys, either way, I'm comfortable with. Yeah, I agree with you. I think those are my two favorite guys here. I'm glad we're simpatico on that. Like, obviously, if the Jaguars want to go bring Allen Robinson back, we're going to be fans of that decision. But when you're talking about the type of money you want to spend on the defensive side of the ball or that we want to spend on the defensive side of the ball, I think you could get a very, very good offensive weapon receiver here for a lot less than what you're going to have to spend on Allen Robinson. So I think Will Fuller is going to be more expensive than Curtis Samuel. Do you agree? I would definitely think so, but he would be the guy that I would have my eye on because Curtis Samuel, albeit fast, is a little bit more of a gadget guy, kind of like Chenault, a faster Chenault. You're going to line him up to a lot of different things. I think Will Fuller is really the guy that you... He's a good route runner, though, too. He He can definitely... 
he is a receiver too. Like he's not just that gadget guy. He is a good receiver. He's not as polished, I think, in the receiving game. He he definitely has some work to do there. Um, he's definitely improving. But I think for right now, what you're looking for, I think Wolf Fuller fits it perfectly. And with that extra money that you've got to spend, and with that extra ability to pay a little bit more than the next guy, I think you've got a really good chance to go out and get a fast guy like Will Fuller. So if we're trying to target Will Fuller, who would another be another great addition in terms of not only getting a good player, but stealing him away from your division rival. SpotRack has him at 17 million market value. I don't know if I'm willing to spend that much. I don't know if that is a realistic expectation. I think that sounds high. I think it sounds very high. I think this is a situation where you're going to look at the market, what's available, supply and demand, his age, and the reduced salary cap, no one's going to give this guy, and I say this guy, I don't mean like that. He's not a bum by any means, but no one's going to give Will Fuller $17 million a year. Uh, it's just not going to happen with the way everything's situated. So I think you have a really good chance at getting him around 10 I mean, that's what I would be willing to pay for him. There's a lot of other guys out there that I think teams are going to highlight and target way before they target Will Fuller. Juju. Chris Godwin, if he somehow leaves, Curtis Samuel, Allen Robinson. I mean, we can look at that list. There are just other guys out there. I think even Tyler Boyd is going to have a pretty good market uh, for himself. He's younger, a big, uh, a little bit faster guy as well, and he's a big target. I think Will Fuller is not going to be as highlighted as people think, uh, but I think he's really going to be able to get – he's going to be your bargain signing. I really do think so. Yeah, and he's suspended for the first uh, game of the season next year for his uh, – Suspension for performance-enhancing substances. So that's another factor. He's obviously been injured a lot throughout his career, but he's only 26. And I just, if you pair him with DJ Chark, I just don't know how how a team is going to match up with that, with Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, you can't. I mean, it's, it's just going to create too much space for the defense to the be able to cover. I, re- I really do think so. Um, I mean, just the weapons that this team has, the ability to actually be able to stretch the field with a quarterback who can throw the ball, it's going to be unguardable. It's going Somebody's going to be open every single play. Yeah, so you're, you're talking about $10 million range. I'm guessing he's going to get a little north of that. Are we willing to go to 12? And we have, what, 17 and a half left? Um, for our offensive budget, we have twelve and a half million in twenty twenty one cap space. If we spend twelve million on him, then we're looking at six million left to, and that's not including the five million we have set aside for just inexpensive depth pieces. Right. I mean, I, I think it really determines what the market's going to be. And when I mentioned Tyler Board earlier, uh, I meant John Ross. So I do apologize for that. Um, uh, John okay. Ross, another speedy guy that you could potentially go after as well, but. I think it really. It's, oh, I'm not in on that one, but yeah. it's it's going to boil down to what the market is. You know, who are these guys going after? So when I look at this list, you know, just the names from the guys I think are going to be immediate targets by other teams before they look at Wolf Fuller, Allen Robinson. Um, that's very obvious. He's probably the number one receiver on the market. Um, you're going to go Marvin Jones. You might go Corey Davis. Um, you're going to go look at. Obviously, Will Fuller's in there, but he's he's going to be towards the bottom because you're going to look at uh, Curtis Samuel, um, Juju, and Godwin. Who else on this list? I mean, David Moore, potentially. I don't know. He's not necessarily above him, in my opinion, but he's a guy that I think people are going to pay attention to. I think there are a lot of options. You can get him a little bit cheaper. I, I mean, could we say $11 million? Kind of settle on in the middle here. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how his contract situation plays out in free agency if we go ahead and uh, sign him here in our mock free agency scenario for $11 million per season. We're looking at a $5.5 million cap hit I mean, would you take for any, 2021. Would you take him over any of those guys if you had first choice? Yeah, I would just because he's unbelievably fast over and impossible to stop over the top, and I just think about the matchup nightmares with him and DJ stretching the field. And also people forget before he got suspended last year, he was the number one receiver in football in terms of yards and receptions, I believe. And we didn't even so, mention uh, Galladay, but who, who would you, I mean, again, going into age, going into everything, you know, the longevity of maybe a younger guy, who would you put him above 
in that grouping of players. Juju for sure. Okay. And then I think him and Curtis Samuel, it just depends on what, what pick your flavor. Right. Do you want a guy who's a take the top off guy more or a guy who's just you can use in a variety of ways who's also a good route runner from the slot? Okay. And he can play on the outside as well in Curtis Samuel. Uh, it just depends on which one you're looking for. I think you have enough of that gadget player and developmental player and LaVisca Chenault. So just go get a guy that can absolutely take it off the top. So if market value is 17, uh, you feel real comfortable with 12. You feel like that would, that would be realistic. I would feel comfortable with 12. I think you might be right though, with this wide receiver market, since there's so many guys out there, I think maybe uh, that number is inflated. So I think 11 might do it. All right. Well, either mark it down at at 12 or 11. I'm I'm good either way. I think that, We've definitely made our points heard on both sides. I think regardless, it's a guy you want to target, a guy you want to bring in, and let's make sure that we can bring him in. Yeah. All right. So let's let's say 11 and see how it plays out down the road. But for now, we'll say we got him for $11 million per season because teams are wary of the injuries. They aren't super happy about the suspension to start the season. Um, and there's a ton of other guys out there. So let's say $11 million per year. So $5.5 million 2021 cap hit. So now you're looking at uh, 23, $23.25 million is what we've spent on offense, which gives us 6.75 left to play with so we don't go over our budget and don't leave room for depth pieces. So... Now that we've pretty much addressed the major needs because you have Trent Williams, Jonu Smith, Brandon Scherf, and Will Fuller, which really dramatically reshapes your offense, um, you can go sign a veteran backup quarterback like Alex Smith. You can go sign another receiver to get your receiver room to five before you enter the draft. What do we want to do with this uh, rest of our money that we've allocated for the offense? I think this is where we may disagree um, in, in this little setup here. So I think we should um, not agree on this one. Let's both give our takes on because it's just extra money at this point. We've gone over everything. We filled our needs across the board. Now we're going extra money. I really do think that at this point in the game, if you've made all the signings, you filled all the major holes, and now you're just looking for that extra oomph, this is where I do look at maybe signing a running back. Uh, maybe a veteran guy to kind of take the load off James Robinson. If you look at some of the best running teams in the league, what do they have? A dominant offensive line and at least two guys who can consistently run the ball, get your yards. And the first team that comes to mind, something that I would love to see for a guy like Lawrence is something like the Browns have with Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. Obviously, Chubb is a different kind of back. Kareem Hunt was once that kind of back. I don't think he really lost much of that. His role has just been a little bit diminished. I don't think you can maybe find that, but I think you really want to go get another guy to be that spell back for James Robinson, someone who's going to be really, really effective. And I think if you look at the list, there are a lot of guys that can do that. As crazy as it sounds, I wouldn't hate bringing back Leonard Fournette. And I know that's probably going to raise a lot of eyebrows. And I was thinking about this the other day. What's the likelihood that Tampa Bay brings him back? Probably not very good. Low. And I don't think he's getting starting running back money anywhere else in the league. I really don't. I mean, maybe read through the tires on him. You loaned him over, well, loaned by cutting him to Tampa Bay. Maybe bring him back on a two-year cheap deal. Let him be the backup to James Robinson. I don't think he's going to bite that or even think about that. It was just a thought in my head. But a guy that – You done lost <laughs> your damn mind. A guy that I do really like, though, and for different reasons, is Matt Breida. He's super fast. We don't really have – a speed shift back out of the backfield that we could use like him. Um, you know, I really think a lot of the guys on this list could maybe, you know, bring in a little bit more oomph for you. Um, James Conner, Gus Edwards, um, you know, guys that really haven't gotten a ton of tread. But I mean, Conner obviously has, but Gus Edwards is, is, has been an effective power back in Baltimore, just hasn't gotten the ability to run the ball in that crowded running back room. Uh, and then Marlon Mack, another guy, steal him out of the division. They're going to go a different way with Jonathan Taylor. He's a different kind of back that you don't have, a pass-catching, real shifty guy, real quick. James Robinson is definitely an all-around back, don't get me wrong, but I think these guys have a little bit of that skill set that he doesn't necessarily have. That's not his strongest suit. I think you complement him with a guy like that. It'd be great for the offense that you're looking to run with Trevor, and that's where I would go with a little bit of extra money. You know, I really do like Marlon Mack. 
but I am a principled man, and my one of my number one principles is just to not overspend on running back. They are so widely available on day two of the draft. That's where I'm going to get my running back, and you called it. We're going to disagree on this, but that's fine. So you can go get your running back. What I'm going to do with this money is I'm going to bring back Keelan Cole, uh, $5 million a year. And so he's going to be in $2.5 million 2021 cap hit, which gives me about $4 million left for 2021. And I'm also going to bring in Alex Smith um, on a you know one or two year deal. If if I can get him in, because it is possible that he's going to want to try to start somewhere, which he obviously won't do in Jacksonville. But uh, if I can bring him in, he's got so much experience with Urban. They have such a great relationship. Uh, Urban and Alex got each other on the map, really. Uh, Urban was able to land Alex Smith at Utah. And then being in Urban system allowed Alex Smith to go, get drafted number one overall be a nice reunion alex smith would be just a great professional to kind of guide trevor lawrence into his career as a starting quarterback for the jaguars so i think you could get him six or seven million a year again that's not going to be a big cap hit three and a half million or so and then that's going to round it out for me i think getting keelan cole back is good the jaguars have not been able to keep homegrown talent And Keelan Cole is the definition of homegrown talent as a former undrafted free agent that's really developed into an excellent uh, third or fourth receiver on any team. And I just think he'd be a great guy to get back. He likes it here. He's always open. I think he could look even better than he has if he actually gets a a real franchise-type quarterback. I think there's more to that than just the player he is. And I, I, I love that thought. And I didn't even think about Keelan Cole, so I apologize. But he's a locker room guy too, man. I mean, he just he never says the wrong thing. He always has a great attitude. You need more guys like that, especially with this team is so young. And I mean, man, it, it just we got rid of a lot of our leadership guys. Conley's probably not going to return, and he was a leadership guy. So definitely keep one of those guys around. Get a guy who's going to hold the locker room together, really build some camaraderie, especially with this young team. I think that's a great idea. Go and give him the money. Keep him around a few more years. It's more than just about the player um, that he is in the field. It's about the person he is in the locker room. And for the franchise overall, you know, Trevor's obviously going to become the face of the franchise. That's just destined. It is what it is. But at least he can be there to kind of, you know, help take the load off of his shoulders, be that guy still now. And that could be Alex Smith's things too. Not as much for the franchise, but for the team, I think he just immediately comes in and becomes an automatic leader just because of the the experience and the place that he has in the NFL in and of itself. Um, so I think both of those guys would be absolute morale boosters and, and team builders for sure. Yeah, and I just think if if Alex Smith doesn't have the opportunity to go start somewhere, I think him coming to Jacksonville is, you know, put it, take it to the bank. If he if he's gonna have to sign as a backup somewhere, it's gonna be in Jacksonville. Perfect situation. You get back with your old college coach. You get to mentor uh, one of the best, brightest young stars. Fingers crossed, it's gonna happen in the NFL. Um, and like you said, you know, a, a situation where should you need to step in. You're familiar with the offense. You're familiar with everything around you besides the scenery. I mean, I think it, it's definitely a great spot for him to at least, you know, finish out his his slowly dying NFL career that has been great. And, you know, you were talking on it earlier and you said he's obviously not going to start. But if, if for some reason the front office does want to take that slow approach with Trevor Lawrence or, you know, for some reason, maybe he is not ready to go right away. I think you're in a good spot with Alex Smith, maybe coming in and getting a few games for you. The familiarity with the offense is going to be there. We've seen him come in and make meaningful snaps uh, and take meaningful snaps in games that he really shouldn't be. And we saw it's probably not all him, but we saw the transition that happened when Mahomes finally took over after sitting behind Alex Smith. Again, obviously I know Andy Reid was there and there's a lot more to it, but if there's any hope 
that Alex Smith had anything to do with Mahomes' rise and the way and the player he is now, then I want him on this team doing the same thing for Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah, I definitely think he did have an impact on it. Obviously, Andy Reid, like you said, had an impact on it. And so did Mahomes' just ridiculous ability on the football field. But Alex Smith definitely helped Patrick Mahomes' development over in Kansas City. Uh, So, yeah, that's going to round out our offensive free agency mock here that we've done. So just to recap, we went and got Trent Williams, broke the bank for him, but that's okay. He's a fantastic left tackle, one of the best I've ever seen, you know, one of the best of our lifetime, bottom line. And he's still playing at such a high level. There's been no drop-off in his play. Uh, We got Jonu Smith, poached him from the Titans. Got to love getting division rival guys, and he's a – type of tight end that can do a lot for your offense. Very athletic, very powerful. Uh, I think Urban Meyer can really scheme up a lot of fun ways to use him. And then you've got Brandon Scherf coming in at right guard. You're cutting AJ Can, so you're barely paying him in 2021 anything more than you were paying Can. So that's obviously a, a big win for the Jaguars, really taking that offensive line from good to potentially maybe the best in football. And then we agreed to go get Will Fuller. Uh, hope It's going to be really interesting to see how much these wide receivers end up getting paid. I think Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay will obviously be huge contracts, close to $20 million a year. But after that is where it's going to be really interesting. And so we've got Will Fuller down for $11 million per year. It'll be interesting to see does that end up playing out kind of like that in terms of how much money he makes on the open market. And then we also added you, – you had the thought to add a running back, which I don't hate, but it's just not what I'm going to do because I'm not a pay running backs type of guy. Um, so, And then I had Keelan Cole and Alex Smith, Alex Smith, which we both agreed on, you know, principally. Like it just makes sense to bring those guys in, bring Keelan Cole back and bring Alex Smith in if you've got the money for it. So I think that would be an amazing start to free agency for the offense. Uh, I think you've still got a few million dollars left to spend on the offense in terms of that depth that we talked about, establishing some more offensive line depth. You're going to want to probably bring Tyler Shatley back, maybe go get a uh, veteran swing tackle that you feel can play in your system. Uh, So I think this this is a really, really encouraging start. And I think if, if this is the type of free agency that the Jaguars have on offense, and it's totally within the realm of possibility, uh, Jags fans should be doing backflips, somersaults, all the way to the bank. That's the biggest thing is, is it's actually within the realm of possibility. So anybody who's listening to this right now is probably rolling their eyes thinking, oh, these guys just went after the biggest and the best free agents and yada, yada. This is so unrealistic. This is BS. It's really not. Looking at this year for all the reasons that we listed before, we've talked about it, the Jaguars cap space compared to all the other teams, um, the discrepancy in cap because it's it's dropped from almost $200 million to $185 million, and the Jags still have 80 plus to spend. The saturated market and it's going to get even more saturated uh i can't remember whose tweet i saw this morning but it it was uh, an espn reporter with a source from an nfl head coach saying that next week's uh cuts are going to be quote-unquote a massacre so this already saturated market is going to become more saturated guys aren't going to get market value teams aren't going to be willing to spend as much as they would in the past the jaguars really do have a legitimate chance to get a lot of the best free agents in this class and if they want to come play here for a guy like urban and want to come play with a guy like trevor lawrence it, it's very in the realm of possibility for him to be able to do this yeah and you know if you don't get trent williams which i absolutely want trent williams he's my number one free agent target and you sign cam robinson instead now you're talking about being able to spend way more money on some of the other guys you're talking about Allen Robinson instead of Will Fuller. Uh, you're talking about um, being able to go get the best on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah, you're looking at Sh- Shaq Barrett money, like you just said. You know that that that's your number one signing. That's your that's your big money signing. And, and like you said, you know if if that isn't there, that twenty million dollars can go get allocated elsewhere uh, to some guys who are going to have huge 
impacts on teams as free agent signings. Yeah, and Cam Robinson, he's not the end of the world, guys. I mean, he, he I've done a lot of studying between him, Orlando Brown, Trent Williams. Trent Williams is obviously in another class from those two guys. Um, I think the gap between Orlando Brown and Cam Robinson is not nearly as big as a lot of people think. Uh, the scheme really helped him out over in Baltimore. I would... In a vacuum, I would definitely take Orlando Brown over Cam Robinson. I'm not trying to say that. But when you talk about the opportunity cost, you probably get Cam Robinson for about $10 million a year, maybe less. But then you talk about having to trade a first-round pick and pay Orlando Brown probably close to $20 million. I don't think it's close what I would rather have happen. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's just... That transition tag can't be understated either, though. I, I know you mentioned earlier, it's something that you have a fallback plan, uh, an almost guaranteed fallback plan. So really, if you look at it, you you can't physically get any worse. You can't realistically get any worse. So I think you're in a really good position either way. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And I think Cam Robinson could improve um, down the road, tw- only 25 years old still, Uh there's definitely some encouraging things there, but still Trent Williams or bust for me, but that's going to do it for the offensive free agency. I mean, this is kind of like a preview obviously, because we're talking about all, all these guys, but it's also a mock situation that we came up with. I had a lot of fun doing it. I'm excited to do it for the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, we'll hope we'll, we're going to have to be able to get it to you next week because free agency starts the week after. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week with another episode for y'all. Really appreciate everybody tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts app. like to remind everybody that Zach Wilson is going to go top five. Uh, it's looking more and more likely now, isn't it? It is. It is. It's looking more and more likely every day, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be. I've seen some crazier uh, the draft things. draft is going to be so fascinating. I've seen some crazier things. What would you say? I've seen crazier things, and, and there's a lot. Oh, yeah, like Mac Jones top five. Yeah, that was probably the craziest thing I've seen so far. But there's a lot of stuff to think about, especially, you know, with where Deshaun Watson's going to end up. Uh, a lot of things are going to move before April 29th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully Watson gets moved before then. I don't think he will, honestly. I just think the Texans are going to drag this out as long as they can. They have no yeah, idea what they're doing. They don't really have any there. other option. I don't and that's think. great for the Jaguars. Yeah, no, it really is. Because he's not going to play for them, I think, regardless. But the Texans really don't have any yeah, other I option agree. there, in my opinion. They really don't. I agree, but it's just like they're not even answering phone calls. Teams are having to leave them voicemails about <laughs> trade offers. It's unbelievable. Uh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's going to do it for the show. Again, shout out to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast. If you're listening to this on Thursday, enjoy the rest of your week. If you're listening to this on Friday after, have a great weekend. Really appreciate everybody tuning in. That's going to do it. Have a good one, Duval.